Hi, and welcome to another episode of Truth Be Known. This is Lauren Vaccarello, and today we're thrilled to be joined by Wendy Pfeiffer, CIO of Nutanix. For those of you who don't know Wendy, she's a real badass. She's worked in the technology industry for three decades and is one of the most respected leaders in tech. As CIO of Nutanix, she helps lead a cutting-edge technology company that provides a revolutionary multi-cloud platform. She's one of the world's leaders in understanding and effectively utilizing data and technology. So it was interesting to me that a good portion of our conversation actually ended up focusing on life during COVID and how she's navigating the challenge of educating children and keeping them engaged while being home with them. It really hit home to me that human aspect of decision-making. Data is wonderful in decision-making because it can help us overcome some of our, our humanness. The data doesn't get stir crazy after a few weeks in quarantine. It doesn't have bad days and it doesn't get bummed out by the weather and being stuck inside. But we're not robots. We can and should rely on data, but there's always going to be a human element to decision-making. And what this interview reminded me is that it's okay to take time and make sure you're in a good place physically and mentally. I think that's especially important to keep in mind as we draw to the close of this um, crazy year. So with that, let's jump into the interview with Wendy. Welcome to Truth Be Known. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Truth Be Known. We have an incredible guest today, Wendy. For those of you who don't know her, she is one of the top 10 CIOs who inspire. She's one of the most influential women in business. Wendy, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Wendy Pfeiffer, and I am currently the CIO at Nutanix, and I also sit on a couple of corporate boards. Uh, I'm on the board at Qualys and at Sada Systems, and I'm also a mom and uh, married to a musician, so uh, lots of roles and lots of fun in my life. I love that. It is definitely the full scope and full breadth of life. <laughs> so we've been having a great, great conversation. Um, and I really want to talk to you about a few different things before we get started. Um, I know you've got a really interesting background. How how did you get started in tech? Where where did this all come from? Well, um, I am so old that uh, when I got started, there there wasn't a, like a career in tech per se. <laughs> Uh, but back then I loved math and I loved science. And uh, way back uh, when, when God was a boy and wore short pants, um, I was in high school and I ended up getting a job at NASA Ames Research Center. Um, and I, I, I entered a contest, I won, uh, and I was part of the space biology research program. And I worked on something called cockpit displays of traffic information. And, and in order to do that, I had to use uh, the supercomputers that they had at NASA. And it was just a revelation. Uh, just every um, geek fiber in my body um, loved the notion of these large scale networks and, and these sort of amazing uh, capabilities of, of this uh, mass of networked machines. And, and so I knew I needed to be around that and I needed to understand it and I needed to uh, just, just interact with it. And so that was the start. At the time, it was hard to find a career that was like, you know, play with the computers at NASA, 
but over time, I, I feel like I've uh, been able to fashion a career that's uh, at, that's very interesting in tech. Ultimately, I've always gone to companies. I've always followed my heart and gone to companies where I believe in the product, where I can't let it alone, where it's it's the most compelling thing. Whether I worked at Yahoo or I worked at GoPro um, or you know uh, Robert Half um, helping people to find jobs, like and and today at Nutanix. Um, I gotta love that product, and then um, applying technology to that product uh, and, and to that business is um, is my sport. That's amazing. And I, for people who who aren't familiar with you or don't know you, um, Wendy is known as one of the sort of the premier CIOs in tech. And if you need a massive shift in your IT organization, Wendy is has the reputation for she is the person that you call, and she spends a lot of time writing about redefining the role of IT. I want to talk to you about something a little bit different, not just redefining the role of IT, but I want to talk to you about redefining the role of business. It is no no doubt for anybody right now that we're in the middle of a, can we still say unprecedented? It's been nine months. <laughs> well, each new month is unprecedented, yes. Every, every month is a new, every month is a new level of Jumanji. Um, but we are living through changing, challenging times that are redefining everything about who we are. Um, and I think it's redefining business. And I would love to talk to you about how do you think business is being redefined? How do you think the role of corporate America is being redefined right now? Yeah. I mean, Lauren, first of all, um, there, there is a, there's a there's a massive global tragedy that's happening as as people are losing their lives um, and and you know families are being impacted and and societies are being impacted and so um, you know that's the main thing. Mm -hmm. Right after that, um, people are suffering um, extreme economic loss and um, you know I was just talking uh, recently with Mike Rowe who was saying that that you know forty million people in the US are out of work right now um, who, who had jobs you know, at the start of this pandemic. Um, that's a massive change. And in the midst of that, um, companies are um, you know, having to conduct business. Now, if you're, if you're lucky to be in an essential business, um, you're, you're just flat out running, running hard. But everyone else is having to place their, their business, their company themselves in this new context. And we're having to think about resources differently. We're having to think about the, the resources, the space in our offices. Um, I work for a tech company. We can all do our jobs 100% remote from the office. But I consume products like uh, servers from companies uh, that need to need manufacturing space. I eat food that needs to be, uh, you know, grown and processed and, uh, you know, uh, put on shelves. And so there are physical needs for resources um, that have shifted dramatically. If we just look at the real estate market, um, you know, what a sea change is going to happen there as as companies, um, you know, consider that their workforce can work um, remote from offices. And, and and then in the midst of that. There are um, tried and true industries like the travel and tourism industry mm -hmm. that have just been crushed um, and other industries like tech, the one that I am luckily uh, in that are uh, that are now central. And so as we think about um, 
the environment in which we we live, um, we were living in a really different ecosystem. Um, we, we were we were very different players in in a, in a different ecosystem, and I mean business in general. Ten months ago, the ecosystem is completely different now. You know, the the meteor or whatever it was hit Earth, and here we are. You know, the the last dinosaurs in the Happy Valley saying what did we use those buildings for? Um, you know, what was the purpose of that two hour commute every day? And, and then meanwhile, of course, we have shareholders, we have employees, we have customers who rely on that thing we do, whatever that thing is that we do. They need that. And now um, technology has become that, that inter intermediary. Uh, technology is the way that, that we interact with those folks and we give them that thing that they need. And so if you think about um, business that used to want technology to be invisible or perhaps even non-existent, now needs technology to be the intermediary and sometimes even front and center and sometimes even the definition of, of the business. That is a massive digital transformation for sure. Um, but then um, the other thing that's happened uh, back to back to the role of the leader is, um, you know, the, the, I'll be honest, um, I'm, I'm a nerd for sure. Um, I have talked more in the last year than I've talked in my life to anybody. Um, you know, we, we are not always um, high on the social EQ uh, scale, um, but suddenly um, what we say and think and do is central to how businesses move forward and, and other things, how schools move forward and, and so on. And so um, we are having to think on a human scale about the use of technology to enable our business. Um, that is complex, higher level thinking, part one. And part two, um, we may have built muscles around how to scale or secure or integrate technology but not all of us have built muscles around, um, you know, how do I delight um, a customer who is, uh, you know, trying to get access to medical information or um, trying to figure out how to connect with, um, you know, access to uh, goods and services. Um, that that's that's possibly a new sport, new muscles for us, and so. Um, our learning, our progression as human beings and as technology leaders is, is writ large in society, right? It's, it's on display um, and, and it's um, not always pretty, but we're the best, that, that we're the best option that, that many of our companies have. So we're learning in public. It's like being a teenager again, you know? It's like all the the zits and the and the arms and legs and you know, elbows and knees and all the awkwardness is just on display as we're trying to figure out like how do I become a member of of this new society and how do I how do I, you know, at least um, not embarrass you know, my company, uh, but, but, in, but in fact, maybe I can differentiate my company and then ultimately, how do I help people? And, and, and that whole thing, it's always been messy, um, but, but now it's concentrated uh, in, in this, uh, this crucible of, um, of the technology capability that we already had in place. Uh, and, and that's, that's it, we've got a, we've got a legacy, we've got a capability in place that, um, 
that is what we have to rely on to deliver. Um, you know, whatever we stockpiled, that's what we're using. And I think you bring up so many great points. And I even just starting with how fortunate you and I both are to be in the technology space right now. And as insane as our world and days are, we're in a far better place than so many of the small business owners who just thought they had a cushion but didn't expect 10 months at a third of their income if they're lucky to have a third of their income for 10 months versus nothing at all. And we're living in this time where for every single person is going through their own degree of struggle. And I think you also brought up another great point of I the role of IT is so much more important for every single organization now. It's not just for business. The IT administrator at a school might be one person who, you know, has to, it sounds awful, but, you know, help with a printer and maybe help with an email versus now that one IT person in a school is the lifeblood of being able to educate children because if they don't have everything set up, teachers now can't teach remotely. And the IT org has to transform faster than ever deliver flawlessly and on a stage that is completely public with expectations they never had before. Yeah. And, and I feel for those guys. I mean, I, um, you know, I've, I've actually been um, helping folks in school districts just figure out um, how to run, um, you know, uh, thinking about Google, for example, um, you know, Google's been offering, um, you know, Google Classroom uh, for free to, to school districts and help enabling them to use them. And, you know, Zoom offering Zoom for free to teachers and, and school districts and helping them to use it. And, and you know, I, we, could, we could give many examples. Uh, Nutanix, uh, you know, offers this, this um, virtual desktop. Desktop has a service environment for free, you know, to folks who are, uh, you know, needing, needing um, educational assistance that's all kind of cool um in fact it's all really cool and and kudos to those companies for doing that but at the end of the day there's you know there's some poor person in what is at the end of the day a consumer environment you mm -hmm. i are talking over public internet wi-fi uh in our homes you know we we are relying on um, you know, I'm, I'm using my kid's gaming computer because let's face it, like everything about it is better than my than my work computer. Um, if this doesn't work, I'm going to I'm going to flip over to my mobile phone uh, and, and use cellular network. So, so we're in this um, this, you know, soup of uh, consumer tech and, and public uh, tech and, and enterprise tech and mm -hmm. um, you know, school district tech and all that sort of all, all mixed together. That's very complex. Um, that would be complex under normal circumstances, but we also are operating in hybrid mode. Um, we have, you know, some people back on campuses and some people back in businesses and especially critical industries. And, um, you, know, I, you know, I mean, we're talking at, at 2.30. Um, I think my kid is already sucking up all the internet bandwidth for, for his game because he's done with his, his day, you know. So we're in this, this mix. Um, and in this mix, um, not all the technology plays well together either. And that is a little bit overwhelming and that's a little bit confusing. And the things that we used to have in IT and in companies, you used to have walls. We used to have security. We used to have controls. Uh, we used to be able to declare standards. 
And, and if, you know, hey, if you don't have standard equipment, we don't let you use it. If you don't, right, none of that, none of those, those crutches um, exist. Um, in, in, you know, education is another great example. You know, we can, the kid either shows up to school or she's absent, you know, um, now. Um, now she could be playing a game in the middle of class, and which is why she's not on camera. Not that I know anyone that's done that. Right, exactly. And at the same time, our employees are in some uh, version of that as well. And so now we're having to measure productivity um, to be creative about measuring productivity and engagement in different ways. And and let's face it, um, you know, many of the, the technology components that we use to run our businesses were not developed to be engaging. We're not developed to improve um, human productivity. They were developed to perform a process, um, to accomplish a task. And so, um, you know, if performing that process and accomplishing that task is difficult or frustrating or overwhelming, then what happens is that affects employee engagement, that affects employee productivity, that affects student engagement, student productivity. And so, you know, um, a kid, uh, you know, turns off their camera and, and looks away if, if the teaching is not engaging. Um, and teachers are having to be creative and thoughtful about how to engage their students. And by the way, students aren't engaged by being lectured to. They're engaged by engaging, by sharing their own viewpoint. That's a complicated thing to, to manage. Same with us in companies. Um, how, how do we continue to have these conversations over, over technology, which is at the end of the day, two-dimensional? It's just it's, it's two-dimensional no matter what. Um, it's it's single threaded no matter what you're having to be quiet while I talk. Um, I have to stop talking for to hear you. And in in a in a crowded room in in a meeting, it's not quite that way. There's there's more layers. There's there's more optionality, and and at the same time, there are there are different uh, um, you know uh, sort of things needing my attention. Um, you know, you and I are talking, I'm making eye contact, you're making eye contact. That's pretty cool. But like right over there is my other computer and, you know, right here is my mobile phone. And, and in the midst of all this, we have um, lots of different things that want our attention, not the least of which is my new cyberpunk game. Um, far more interesting than, you know, finishing my, my, my budgets today. And so we also need this kind of weird level of like self-discipline and focus. Um, and there's something about our job as technologists that require us to figure out how to deliver that, how to deliver engagement and productivity and focus in the midst of this rich optionality and a capability that is uh, the consumer environment where everything was developed to keep the eyeballs and keep the attention and, and be uh, addictive and be easy. And, you know, you get in just with a, you know, I, I use this example a lot, but, um, you know, it, it is an IT leader's dream to be able to someday launch something like Pokemon Go, <laughs> where with no instruction, a completely unique use of technology, a completely unique use of augmented reality and, and, a, and a, a way to use a mobile phone that was never used before, 
you download the thing. It was like 10 million people downloaded it in like the first day. Mm -hmm. There's no five, five minute, you know, video snippets that taught us all how to use it. Right away, you're catching all the Pokemon you can. You like, download how did that happen? And why don't we do that? Like, why didn't, why wasn't like, you know, Zoom that way? Like, are you kidding me? You know, or why wasn't, you know, a Microsoft Office that way? No, like it takes all this training. And why is that? And how can we address that before we go into this next complex mode going forward, where we take this, 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 this messy group of people and, and capabilities we have, and we walk into the future, whatever that is, where we're, we're bringing all these modes together again in, in, the next, in the next hybrid mode. It is. And it's this interesting idea of the consumerization of enterprise IT apps, because in our, our personal lives, which used to be more separate from our work lives, you had, to your point, beautiful user experience. Everything just works at least on the application layer technology was getting closer to a consumer level user experience. But now that all day, every day, we are surrounded by all of the consumer applications that are drawing our attention, that are built to draw our attention, plus the home lives that we are managing in the background or in the foreground, depending on the time of day. <laughs> and then we have the actual enterprise apps that we're supposed to be working on. Um, it's a very, very different world. It, and it makes me think a lot about this idea of, you know, when we're back to work, when we are back to work, when the world is quote unquote normal again. And I know you're like me and you keep, we keep hearing about people saying, well, I can't wait for the end of the year. You know, January 1st is coming up. You know, I can't wait for the end of 2020. And January 1st is a concept in our minds. There is there, and this is the really tough part, and I wish wasn't true, but January 1st will be the same as December 31st. The world, it's not that we wake up and things are different, but it's this proverbial idea of a new start. Um, and if I think about that new start, it's the, we want things to be different. We want things to go back. We want the world to be what it was, but what this has taught us is everything is impermanent. Uh, and I re and I want to think about the what does moving forward look like? Not the actual January first, the actual day that's happening shortly, but this proverbial January first. And how do you think we're all going to be moving forward and thinking about moving forward when the world progresses progresses back to normal? Mm -hmm. I I think about this all the time. And with humility, I don't know. I'm I'm a little frightened. I'm, I worry that I myself may not be up to the task as a leader or as a parent or as a member of society. Um, I I think you know the future has always been unknown. We know that, right? You know, um, but but I think the challenge is that. Um, We've already experienced a shift in our, in our very way of being, whether that's as companies or as as leaders. Um, our way of being is different. Uh, for a while, we were people who work in offices who were temporarily working remotely. Mm -hmm. um, we're not anymore. Now we are people who work. 
Um, and 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 we have we have developed a way of working that's ideal for us right now. Um, and the fact is that there were some things about working in offices that were not ideal. Mm-hmm. And we don't want those. We don't want to do those things anymore. We've changed. Um, and, and so if I think about my company as a whole, if I think about the thousands of people who work at my company, every one of them has changed. And and so uh, what I can what I can tell you is, is I know some things about the future of work. One thing is that there will need to be um, massive optionality. There will need to be um, something that, that back in the 1980s we called mass personalization. Um, you know, uh, we will need to have a, a work environment that's a lot like the, the, the personal or the consumer environment. You know, if I, if I have, um, you know, Facebook on, on, my, on my mobile phone, I don't say like, well, that's it. You know, uh, Facebook is my standard for, you know, social networking and therefore I could never use, you know, Twitter or, you know, that's ridiculous. I actually have a range of tools that I use and I, and I use my own brain and my own choice and my own timing. Uh, and I have, you know, different modes and different needs and different audiences and all of that correlation and that integration and that optionality is handled by my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no there's no company that's telling me how to do that. It, it's it's sort of my choice. Um, that that mode of of working is is what we're doing now, um, and and we're going to need to ensure we have some, if not a lot, of that going into the future. We'll need that optionality. We will not be able to enforce standards. We will not be able to enforce. I I don't even think schedules. People have gotten used to. Um, you know, different schedules. And, and because of that, we also will need to figure out ways of um, enabling collaboration in, in endlessly hybrid mode. People will be using different apps. Mm-hmm. They'll be uh, in different time zones. This other major thing that's been happening, people are moving. People are, uh, there's, there's a population disbursement. I, I, I keep a map of where all of my people are logging in from. Um, you know, just to make sure we've, that, that is working, right? Um, and, and you know, I've got I don't know 91 countries uh, that 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 our employees are logging in from uh, every workday. Uh, that that's that's a massive uh, sort of movement that we'll need to continue to support. And so there's you know infrastructure. We've got to have you know hybrid clouds and hybrid infrastructure. And uh, there there's an immediacy. There's a 24 by 7 ness. Um, but there's also something else where we have to be um, uh, we have to engage with our employees and with our students in designing how they work, how they think, how they interact. Um, they have to have inputs. There have to be interfaces and inputs um, that allow people to have that 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 choice and that control over um, how how they engage and when they engage. And therefore, data has to be available. Uh, People might be um, multitasking and we need to have um, separation. We need to have security. Our interaction design needs to accommodate um, asynchronous communications. Um, And these are any one of those things is a kind of a heavy lift. All of those things together are the are the essential ingredients for uh, the hybrid future that, that we're already living in. Um, 
But if we don't make substantive progress in all of those areas right now, while people are you know, dealing with this next wave of the virus and they're already overwhelmed and they're already tired, if we don't make progress right now, if we don't head in that direction, then, then um, you know, we will not be able to kind of pull ourselves up from our from the bootstraps, or from our with our bootstraps. I think there's an expression in there. Uh, we just won't we won't have the um, capability to deal with the complexity moving forward. Um, yeah. So I think I think I think we know some things to do, but now we've got to do them all, like all of them. We have to do them all. <laughs> And I feel like that just leads to the sort of that constant pressure and workload of there's so many things we have to do. And are we, and, you know, as an IT leader, an IT organization, are we set up for the future? You are the, in the IT organization is that in so many organizations, unappreciated organization behind everyone else's success that probably didn't get as much, you know, front of house credit, but now it is, the whole world has changed, is still changing. We're all working from home today. At some point in the hopefully not so distant future, we will be released from captivity, but not everyone at the same time. And I don't know if you've started to notice this, but I started to notice this. I am a very outgoing social person, but I can't handle being around people for the same amount of time I used to be. It's exhausting, I, right? It's exhausting. Yeah. I'm desperate for human interaction, but I can't have too much. Right. Where before it was fine. And I don't even think we've seen the full impact on who we are as people, our ability to interact, because mm-hmm. we haven't been released from captivity to yet to know that if we even have social skills anymore at scale. So where you're building for this future, it's not a flip the switch, we're all back in the office, say hello to your commute again. It's you're at home, you're in the office. Maybe you're in the same location, maybe you're in a different location. And the times of day we work no longer exist. And if you have a a meeting, if you have to homeschool your kid from eight to 8.30, that's what you have to do now and there's no longer the option. And I feel like that is now an acceptable that is an acceptable part of reality that everyone is dealing with that I don't think is going to go away. So as an IT leader in an IT organization, uh, how do you think about building for an even more complex future than we, than we have right now and setting up your, your company for this future state? We can't do it alone. We, we have to do that in community. Uh, I don't think that IT as a standalone organization can lead and execute on this profound transformation by ourselves. We have to certainly be the experts in terms of technology, but we need to rely on experts in human nature and experts in process design and experts in engagement and all those these other areas. And we have to be open to those things and imagine new new things. We have to imagine new things. Um, I think that's that's part of it. The other thing is we, we need to get out of the way. 
Uh, we need to not be so precious about our standards and our chosen technologies and our rules and our work hours and our job descriptions and our organizational structure and even our corporate structures. We need to get out of the way and, and uh, you know, figure out ways uh, to um, to help our employees to be more self-actualized the way that they are in their in their personal lives and, and with their consumer devices. And, and so um, that will that will require us to um, deal with complexity at scale. There, there are technologies for that. There, there's, uh, there's hybrid cloud, there's infrastructure as code, there's machine learning, there's natural language processing, um, you know, there's automation, um, all of those things help us. Um, but, but then ultimately, uh, we just have to get out of the way and, and, and just start to, start to trust more. And I will say, you know, from my perspective, societally, uh, in society, we're at an all-time low around trust and collaboration and communication. Uh, there's no magic that IT has there, no. um, but but there there is something that IT has there. Um, you know, we have uh, we, we have the ability to sort of um, um, instrument uh, for good and not for evil, right? We we have the ability to um, to, to to create um, communities. And, and to create um, uh, data that, uh, that can be uh, checked and, and that can fuel our path forward. We have the ability to um, engage. In, in my organization, uh, we issue a, a net promoter score survey for every autonomous and in-person interaction that we, that we have. Um, and and we, we have people tell us not only, you know, how did it work, but how did it feel? Um, and we take that on board and we and we build that into our product design and our interaction design and, and our processes. It helps us to prioritize our work. We've, we've got to we've got to maintain um, that sort of human connection. There, there, there's tooling for that. There's methodology for that. Uh, but we, we can't use you know, the old tools. We can't, you know, pour the new wine into the old wineskins uh, at all. Um, and so. For me, you know, my partners in this are, uh, the, you know, man, the head of marketing, the head of um, social marketing, um, the the head of HR, um, uh, the, the you know the, the sales and sales operations folks. Um, it, it's, I mean, it's. I will tell you, um, it is exciting to be in their world. I am learning so much. Um, about how they how they engage and and how they think about people and how they develop culture and and it's my responsibility to figure out how to embody those things in the technologies and the platforms and the things that we use and so um, you know uh, we're old dogs but um, and these are new tricks um, but we've got to open our minds to those things if we're fortunate enough to be in the position uh, of leaders um, we we've got to be we've got to think in new ways all over again. And that requires humility and it requires um, uh, study and um, it, it, it requires engaging others to, to walk along with us and teach us and show us the way. And um, you know, that's, that's exhausting work. So we also have to take care of ourselves um, at the very same time. We have to rest. Um, we have to say no. Um, we have to, um, say, I don't know, rather than trying to have the answer. 
Um, and then also we have to help. Um, you know, you were talking about, uh, you know, that that person who's in charge of the school technology. Um, you know, if you see that person, you got to reach out and help. You got to say, hey, man, I'm I'm, you know, hey, uh, guess what? You know, I work for a big company and I do technical things, too. You know, instead of sniping at you, how can I help you? What what can, what can I do to help you? Um, we got to do that across the board. And we also last thing. The, you know, the people who have this figured out is um, Gen Z. Gen mm -hmm. Z, the first fully digital native generation. Um, they never existed. They never had identities that, that didn't involve digital uh, identity. And, and we have to listen to them and observe them and know how they work and, and, and take that on board as leaders, as companies, as IT organizations. Um, they're going to be a big percentage of, of the workforce um, soon. And, and in the meantime, um, they are actually the people who already had a healthy relationship with this, with this digital world that, that we live in. Um, and we can learn from them instead of saying, why are you playing those games? Let's look at the social discourse and the hierarchies and the, and the knowledge exchange that happens in those games and figure out how to bring that into our, our, our political discourse, our, our work discourse, et cetera. Right? There's so much opportunity there for us to learn from them. I think that's such a good point. And it really is the almost take the sarcasm and snark away from everything and really look at what are they doing? How can I learn from this? And how can I leverage this? And they, you know, you're playing all of these games. Well, why? And how do I get that level of engagement? How do I get that level of collaboration? How do I get that level of human connection with an enterprise IT application, with everything else that there is something to be gleaned and learned from that? And the, I think you make a really great point. We're all absolutely exhausted, but there are still areas that we can lean in and jump in and help on. And we may not think we're experts in school technology, but you know what? The person who is struggling would love that little bit of extra and really approach everyone with that, um, that little bit of empathy. We're all going through a lot right now and everyone is on a, a different part of the, uh, the Corona coaster, <laughs> which is... <laughs> We're all in a different part and just approach it with um, with empathy. And one thing that I think a lot about of so much that you've gone through in the last 10 months and from a professional and a personal journey, I'm sure you have had to make really tough decisions, really tough calls. Um, can you think of in the last nine months, um, what's one of the hardest decisions you've had to you've had to make? There have been a lot of hard decisions. I think for me, the hardest decision was to um, was to shut down access to one of my uh, my main physical data centers. Um, we had a COVID outbreak that um, really negatively affected a number of our team members who worked in that data center. Mm -hmm. And um, I needed to stop in-person day-to-day operations there for a significant, a multi-week period of time. And, and it was, it was uh, nerve-wracking. I, I was worried about our, the business impact because uh, you know, there's another few thousand employees who depend on the services running through those data centers and customers and so on. And so you know, could, could things run autonomously? Could things run hands-off? 
Um, and and so um, obviously the the needs of the few outweighed the needs of the many. And that was the right decision for the people who worked in those data centers. And ultimately, thankfully, our technology and our operations process supported us. We were able to do software-defined things. We were able to do remote, hands-off, autonomous things uh, that, that allowed us to, to work and to thrive and for the rest of the, the people to do well. Uh, but, I, but I had these moments of, um, of conscience where I really wanted to ask like a new crew of, you know, um, contractors to come in to the same environment and do the work. Um, and I and I had to make, you know, what for me is not an, I, you know, normally I don't make a lot of moral choices um, in, in tech, but it was a moral choice. Um, thankfully that that certainly worked out. And, and I, even if it, you know, even if we'd had service interruptions, I would make that same choice again. Um, so I'm learning from these times. I'm learning, um, I'm taking my own measure as a, as a leader and a decision maker. And I'm, uh, you know, trying to be uh, the person that hopefully my kids think I am. That's, and you're completely right. And in my role, in your role, we don't often have to make decisions that can affect actually the life and of people. And it is in so many ways, potentially a life and death situation. And so much of what I do as a marketer, and I can imagine you do as a CIO is, well, it's not life and death, it's fine. And then oh, yeah, it's a phrase, we say that. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it's, it's not, but it, it could be. And that's, it's a hard call and such a brave decision to be able to say, no, I'm going to do what I believe is right for people. And I will deal if something happened, if there's a service interruption, because you know what? At the end of the day, this is what I believe to be right. And this is what I can live with myself on. And that is an incredible decision to make and to have to make. And one I don't think, <laughs> I don't think you would have ever expected. No, no, I wouldn't. And, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, I don't share that um, out of pride. I share it out of, um, out of fear for all those decisions that are playing out in so many places. I mean, look, that that's at the, at the core of everything. Um, you know, every parent who's who's trying to decide between being able to go to work and and make enough money to pay the rent and you know and and send their kid to school and feeling unsafe about that, but not having a choice. You know. Um, you know, people who have, you know, relatives, I've, I have team members who've told me of, you know, I've got a relative who's suffering from mental illness and they're alone and they, you know, I know we're not supposed to come visit, but if I don't, I'm worried about, you know, people are making these, these awful um, decisions. Yeah, incredibly difficult decisions. Um, and we're, we're kind of marked by those, you know? Um, and, and so, um, you know, Going forward, um, I also think we will need to do things that have meaning. Um, we, that, that's another thing, right? So, like, you know, now that I, I've now that I know that that's part of leadership, mm -hmm. um, I'm I'm trying to see those those situations and 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 be engaged in things that have more meaning and provide those to um, my my constituents in my world my customers and partners and employees and so on because uh, it's it's 
because it's important. And and I, I got to say, I was a little blind to that before. Um, and now, now I see it. I, I completely agree with you. I feel like I can keep talking to you forever. And I think we need to have you back to have an entire uh, episode talking about sort of the changing in leadership and lessons in leadership and um, how this has changed all of us and made us all different types of leaders. Um, but I feel like our producers would kill me if I keep you for several more hours. <laughs> uh, we try to end everything with something light, um, which mm -hmm. is rapid fire, rapid fire questions. Uh, are you ready? You have never seen these before. Bring um, it. Bring okay. it, Lauren. All right. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Um, what habit or hobby did you pick up in quarantine? Uh, baking pumpkin things. Uh, I did a fall pumpkin challenge. Every weekend I bake something made with pumpkin I've never made before. Wow. Any, any good ones to tell us about? Well, um, everything I'm doing is gluten and dairy free. Um, my favorite one was a dark chocolate ganache pumpkin cake uh, that I still, there's still a piece in the fridge. Uh, if you have a recipe anywhere that we can link up in the show notes, or if you want to send me dark chocolate pumpkin cake, that... <laughs> Full support of this. Teach a woman to fish. I will send you the recipe. <laughs> um, do you have a book or a podcast that you've binged recently? Oh, this, I don't mean this to be this the shameless plug that it is, but my 13-year-old daughter wrote a book, a novel, and she found a publisher, an actual, real live, legit publisher, and got it published. Um, and I have, uh, and the book just came out. It, it was a physical copy, just came out as an ebook. Um, and I have read it. I've read the ebook obsessively like three times every time. I just cannot believe my daughter wrote this. Um, so it's called A Shining Image, A Shining Image by Holly M. Pfeiffer. And it's, it's a legit novel my 13 year old kid wrote. Um, and I, I just still can't get over it. I just started reading it again. I, that is incredible. Uh, your child is an overachiever at the novel. I know, right? <laughs> uh, and I love it. It's a shining image. Mm -hmm. uh, we are definitely going to link to that. Uh, I feel like I need to download this book and feel a little disappointed in myself for, for not being a novelist. I know, right? I know. Can you imagine being the mom? I mean, geez. <laughs> it's okay, kids. Showing me up already. It's fine. I know what I have in my future. That's right. I mean, hopefully, you know, it pays the bills at some point. That's that's what I'm that's my hope. No, I, I'm actually very, very, very proud of her. And and it's and it's actually a good, you know, I'm interested in the in the story as well. So that's awesome. Um, ooh, what's one skill that you have that's not on your resume? Hmm. I can fold my tongue. Really? Mm hmm. I feel like that is a very useful skill set. Yeah, like in half, you know, not curled, but I can fold it in half. I don't think we've heard that one before. Last question, what is one piece of advice that you will give to up and coming leaders in the IT world? You just have to keep showing up every day and eventually they have to give it to you. Don't let anything stop you from showing up every day. Don't stop, don't quit, don't get discouraged. Keep showing up every day, eventually they have to give it to you. I love that. I think that is a great lesson for everybody. Wendy, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. I'm pretty sure we're going to have you back for another episode. This has been awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Lauren.
Truth Be Known is brought to you by Talent. A leader in data integration and data integrity, Talent enables every company to find clarity amidst the chaos. Talent Data Fabric brings together in a single platform all the necessary capabilities that ensure enterprise data is complete, clean, compliant, and readily available to everyone who needs it throughout the organization. Learn more at talend.com. That's T-A-L-E-N-D.com.